Welcome to Walter Edgar's Journal. With me in the studio today is Mike Dawson, who is the CEO of the River Alliance, based here in the Midlands of South Carolina. And we're going to talk about how this organization came to pass and what it does for the communities that live along the three rivers. Mike, welcome to the Journal. Thank you, sir. Let's talk about what is the River Alliance. Well, the River Alliance is a uh, nonprofit corporation, and our mission is relatively straightforward. Do, do public benefit from the three rivers in the Midlands of South Carolina. So essentially, the Broad Saluda and Congaree and Lexington and Richland County, take a look at that as an asset and see what we can then derive for all of our citizens. You mentioned three rivers, but I already I'm putting geography and politics in this, and let's see. <laughs> we've got uh, City of Columbia, City of West Columbia. We've got Casey, Richland County, Lexington County. Uh, did I miss anybody? Well, those governments, uh, the local governments, are members of the alliance. So when we first put this together, I mean, it, geographically, for those who are not familiar with the with the Lexington County, Richland County, and city boundaries, the Lexington County, Richland County boundary goes down the middle of the rivers, and so you have one one government on one side of the bank and one government on the other, and then you have the three cities who are clustered in the in the metropolitan area in the in the heart and around the Gervais Street Bridge. So. Okay, so we're talking about Columbia is where the Broad and Saluda come together to to make the Congaree. Congaree, and away it goes. So float far enough, and you get to Charleston. This all started in the 1990s, early 1990s, didn't it? This idea, correct? It was a, it was an interesting, uh, interesting evolution of, of of thought. I mean, so the the uh, Chamber of Commerce put together a group of folks, uh, some elected officials, some strap hangers like me. I was still in the army, and uh, went to Nashville, and they wanted to look at regional government cooperation and consolidation, and they wanted to look at oh, by the way, the Cumberland River is there, so. As a byproduct of that trip, um, people got an eye to take a look at, yeah, there's, you know, there's some potential here. The, the government consolidation piece that is sort of died an early death, but the river piece continued on. And we said, um, well, let's take a look at, at the conclusions of the, um, and I was doing this as a volunteer, and I said, let's take a look at the conclusions of the uh, of a Nashville trip, and let's take you know, two busloads of folks and drag them down to the river. So we planned a, a two-bus load visit. Satch Krantz was then the a, um, executive director of the Riverbank Zoo. The botanical gardens wasn't there. Uh, the um, Riverbanks was probably the most successful well, zoo period, but it was also the most successful example of regional cooperation um, in the Midlands. So we we went over to the zoo side, or went over to the botanical garden side, and we walked all these folks down the old uh, approach road to the <laughs> to the Civil War era bridge, and it was kind of amazing because a lot of people had you know lived there all their lives and had never gotten down to the Saluda, and and believe it or not, they said, "Wow, this is a great asset. What can we do with it?" You know. So that was sort of, you know, the "what can we do with it?" question was one that said, "Well, if we're going to do something with it." Um, and we don't have an organization that's already doing that, why don't we uh, put that together? And that that concept sort of kicked around for about a year. And in that year, I thought, well, Columbia's a pretty good place to um, to hang up the sword. And I got asked to put this thing together as an intergovernmental um, agreement first and then and move forward to the nonprofit side. Well, is that when you got your gray hair putting these governments together? Well, probably true. I, you, know, why, why, you know, somebody asked me early on, well, you know, what are your qualifications to do this? You know, I mean, so I said, well, you know, I went to the infantry school. That's probably about as pertinent as anything else. But the way we crafted this was to look at who are the players in, and who represents the population densities of, of the Midlands. So we said, okay, let's go to Lexington County Council. Let's go to Richland County Council. Let's go to Casey, Columbia, and West Columbia. Uh, let's go to Central Midlands Council of Governments, who has a, has a, has a role in, in, in addressing a lot of issues. Let's go to the Riverbank Zoo. 
Let's go to the University of Santa Carolina and say, hey, wait a minute, you've got this uh, population of resident folk here who are professors and staff, but you also have students who come in and come out, and we'd like them to have uh, have a voice in this. And in the state, uh, I think I counted up, you know, 11 state agencies or 12 state agencies that had something to do with something on the river, and we said, well, geez, at that time, um, we went to the Budget and Control Board. So we said, hey, you know, help us. Uh, craft a message to the state structure, if you will. So the um, all the actors in this drama were were given a a, uh, a proposal that says, "Hey, let's let's form this um, this collective, and we will ask you to give us someone from your organization who can speak for the organization, and then we will we will then say, okay, when we'll." We'll begin to to discuss how to make this question of what to do with the rivers a reality, and then see what that where that leads us. And that's that was the um, that was the book of Genesis, if you will. Okay. All right, and that was what ninety four. That was nineteen ninety four. Yeah. So we crafted this um, this intergovernmental agreement that was called the founding document of the River Alliance, and then. Um, uh, we asked that, you know, for example, the th- the three mayors. You know, we asked for the county council chairs. You know, and folk who were who were senior and active in in the in the question of what to do with the river to be on the board. So we board has about twenty six folks on it now. About a third of those are elected officials. Okay. So in in January ninety five, we had our first board meeting, and um, you know, borrowed a conference room and set everybody down, and we started talking about you know how how should we approach this, and the proposal was let us approach this as a community development organization that happens to have rivers as an asset, and let's go back and and if we're going to do that, then let's put a planning team together and start looking at what citizens want to do with their rivers. Part of the lessons learned from the um, from the Army excursion was when we looked at the populations at uh, Fort Benjamin Harrison and and um, and uh, Fort Devens at Chaplin School, we said, okay, what do you think about South Carolina? What do you think about coming to Columbia? And you know the military guys are going to get on the truck and they're going to they're going to go where they're told. But the federal civilians had you know lots of issues about well, gee, what do you you know are there alligators in the streets down here in Columbia? <laughs> I mean, do you do you have banks? Are the roads paved? Uh, you know, that's where, do you have schools? Where can I live? Mike, that that's just. Uh, that just triggered too good a story is back when I was at the University of, of South Carolina and we were recruiting faculty, this couple came in from Missouri and the wife got off the plane with a safari hat and mosquito netting because <laughs> that's what she was thinking about, coming to the swamps of South Carolina. Uh, they chose not to come here. That, that was fine. Uh, but just as you say, nobody knew if they were from off what with what they were going to find here? So well, they didn't, and it was, and I have been to Missouri too, so I would say that we we were probably stack up pretty well about that. But it was interesting because we used the sort of same techniques, and essentially we said, okay, all you governments, uh, let's figure out how to do what we call dream catching. And I was fortunate in having Oz Nagler, who came down here. He's an urban designer, is his title now, but he's trained as an architect and 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 a planner. And uh, I said, look, you know, I, I know what the answer is. The answer is uh, we need to get a lot of people who get out on the river and enjoy it, and we need to then try to get folks who live downtown and make it an active downtown, you know, where people live, work, and play. We started uh, holding free forum, you know, in libraries and, you know, in, in city halls or, you know, church basements and whatever else, and, ask, you know, just ask the question. Show up and tell us what do you think you want about um, the rivers, and it was it was fascinating. We got you know reams and reams and reams of comments, and you know if you if you boil it all down, essentially they wanted an active downtown where people live, work, and play, and they wanted public access, you know, on the river that was safe and secure and environmentally sensitive, and and respected the cultural legacy of all the past of of history that we that we live with. So we said, okay, what does that all mean? And then the, in the next phase of this thing was to say, well, you know, is that is that a facility? Is it a service? Is it a policy issue? Now where are we going to go with all that stuff? So we evolved from gathering data to coming back at, um, you know, really major policy issues that had something to do with, with the rivers. 
I guess the Riverwalk was the first major project. It was the first physical project. The first actual project we got into is what do you do with a slightly used prison complex located on the downtown river in Santa Colana? So uh, this is an aside. Um, I mean, there are all sorts of proposals to convert a prison complex into, into something else, but it was pretty austere, you know, built in the 1860s. Uh, we went into that old cell block one and thinking, you know, there's some serious, <laughs> there's some serious bad vibration in this place. So one of our first proposals, which was a, a policy proposal, was was based on how much uh, non-taxable space and vacant space was in the in the collective downtown on both sides of rivers, and how could you could, you could convert that to people living there, with the assumption that you had a magnet to to draw them down, and they recognized the fact that you know downtown Columbia, West Columbia, Casey was a pretty nice place to live. So the the uh, prison recommendation, which was to turn that into a downtown waterfront neighborhood, was sort of the you know the first big chunk. We did a a rough cut of all of the parcels in the city of Columbia, Casey, West Columbia that that pay less than in hundred dollars worth of taxes every year, and you know most of that's of course institutional government and that kind of thing. And we said, well, you know, if we've got if we can convert a a non-tax based entity into a place that pays taxes but also brings activity to the waterfront then that's you know that's a great thing uh, and a lot of places around the country had successfully you know you know done that sort of thing so that was you know sort of the big policy piece and then we got onto this public access at that point in time we had uh, I think we were there were three boat landings on the Saluda River they were there were two boat landings on the Congaree, and you know they were sort of characterized by an asphalt parking lot and a 55-gallon oil drum, through, you know, full of fish parts. And and so we said, well, you know, you can go there and launch a bass boat, but you can't, you know, you can't walk along this thing without a machete in your hand and you know laced-up jungle boots. So the the public access piece became the concept for the Three Rivers Greenway. And the idea was that it, South Carolina PRT had done, um, you know, user-focused data analysis for, you know, I don't know, 30 years probably. And and it said that South Carolinians would probably, you know, get in a boat and paddle, you know, once or twice a year. But they would walk many, many more times than that on the order of 100 times a year. So if they were walking for leisure, they were walking for, for health, whatever concept. So we said, you know, let's take a look at all of the activities, walking, biking, dog walking, et cetera, that we can pack into this, you know, this little strip of land on the on the river and see who shows up, you know. So the original concept was about 12 miles. It's now been extended to, I think we're up to, you know, 15, 16 or so, plus or minus. And we said, all right, guys, let's, let's talk Greenway. So Augusta had a, um, they had redone the Augusta Canal. Um, and so we did a little, you know, little show and tell over there, uh, they'd done a good job, and and part of their you know part of their canal was refurbished. And we said, well, let's let's see what we can do on our scale. We did a comprehensive layout of where the greenway could go, physically could go. Are we talking both sides of the river? Both sides of the river. Yeah. So that we're going to cross, we're going to run down the Saluda River, we're going to cross the Broad River, we're going to run down the Columbia Canal, we're going to cross the Casey and West Columbia, and we're going to you know go as far as we can to link in as many people as we can. So it was deliberately. Uh, chosen to be both sides of the river geographically, but politically, if you know, if we got all those governments working together on one project, you know that, uh, you know, you've been around a long time too, so that's a that's a pretty good achievement. It, it is, Mike. We need to pause a moment and let our listeners know that this is Walter Edgar's journal, and I'm talking with Mike Dawson, the CEO of the River Alliance, about how it came about and what it does. So, what was the first stretch of the of the Greenway that that actually was constructed with hard surface? That was one thing you needed to have a walking surface. Yeah. So the the basic the basic Greenway building block is that okay, guys, we need a public policy that we're going to do this linear park called Greenway. So you get into defining what that is, and we say, well, we want to make it lighted, safe, and disability act consistent. You know, it's going to be maintained and operated by governments. We're going to have you know police patrol to rangers or maintenance guys out there. So everybody agreed, yeah, that sounds like, a, you know, that's what we wanted to do. So we said, okay, let's do some, some uh, back-of-the-envelope analysis of, from projects around the country of what, what it's going to look like. You know, we're not trying to do a Taj Mahal. We're just trying to do a basic access system that, you know, gets you, gets you out there, gets you moving, and gets you down the river. So we did. And originally it was about 
about um, about a million bucks a mile, just for you know pur- purpose of argument. And then the next thing was, well, how are we going to get this money? I mean, you know, we're going to do we're going to do a bake sale. We're going to have corporate donations. You know, we're going to ask the usual uh, corporate culprits to throw in money. Um, you know, what are we going to do? So we said, look, you know the. Governments around the country have used a variety of techniques to fund public access to to the river, and it's you know we're in America, so we should be able to use the same tools. So the the first cut was we were going to do um, some tax increment financing on the assumption that some of those residential units would actually pay taxes. That was one approach. And then we said, well, over in Georgia, they just used federal transportation authorization, and they got a boatload of it for the Georgia Olympics. So, you know, why don't we see what we can do with that? So that turned out to be a good approach. And then uh, we started looking in the coffers of each government for, you know, is there a project that you cannot do where you can reprogram that funding to, you know, to a package? So we're working all those circuits independently. And this is just you now. You don't have a staff. Oh, well, yeah. It's, you know, it's me and some smart money guys who, you know, who, who actually know public finance. But, but, but a lot of those were some, some paid staff, some volunteer staff. I know, but you, you have had incredible volunteers from the get-go. Yeah, and I think that the the ability to do that is um, they they see something going. I mean, they see you know output from the machine, and uh, so as we got into the financial aspects of it, you know, we we based it on the notion that you know ultimately governments would love it when you know when the tax revenues start rolling in. So how do you front load the machine? Uh, there was a point of view that there was going to be absolutely no tax base enhancement in Casey and West Columbia, and we can come back to that later. But it was, you know, you can't do that because it's not going to work. So then the problem is, you know, if you if you have if you begin to figure out where the money is going to come from, then you got to get the property associated with doing the deed. And you know, and a lot of it's private property. So you know, the normal spiel is, look, it's federal floodway, you can't really do anything anyway. You can't build, build on it. But if I build this great greenway down there and it's a safe and secure park, uh, you can, you know, you can you know, build some residential stuff back there and we'll help you however we can. You know, if it's, if it's, if it's residential or what we'd say is community compatible commercial stuff, that's what we want to see. And really, when we got to that point, uh, we started identifying priorities, you know, and, and it, you don't start with the whole system. And so then the next question was, well, okay, you know, who does the design, engineering, and permitting this thing? Because we're working in an environmentally sensitive area. We're working in an area that's got layers and layers of history on it, and, and we want to be protective of both of those. So nobody wanted to do that. So. We got in the design, engineering, and permitting business, and then we would we would then assemble a team to do a project, and then we would pay that team out of the project budget. So, looking at the Casey West Columbia side of the river between the Gervais and Blossom Street bridges, that was one of the first areas because as soon as they built the walkway, you had very nice houses going right behind them. Well, funny thing, Bobby Horton, who used to be the mayor of, of West Columbia, and we were. We were doing a presentation. I said, well, you know, look, um, that's the former city dump of West Columbia between Gervais and and Blossom Street Bridge. And you got people putting million-dollar houses in there. And this was 15 years ago. And I said, you know, that's a pretty good statement. So he was using that, you know, forever. That site was supposed to be, um, I think there was a proposal back in the 70s funded by the Bank of Dubai to put in a convention center, which was, you know, kind of a, Great idea, but the the property owners were were very agreeable to the concept of of us doing over there. For instance, the amphitheater, uh, you know, the there. I think the rest the restaurant had already been in there, and then we did the the, the uh, connection down on the river, and um, you know, put in some physical access down to the down to the Congaree, um, and then ran that on down through Casey, and then down through the old clay pits, you know, below Blossom Street, and then came out. That wasn't the first piece, but it was the first visible piece from all the folks who ran across the, you know, Blossom, Gervais, and, and the Hampton-Taylor 12 bridge uh, every day. And they saw the lights come on. It's like, well, there are people down there, you know, there are lights coming on. Interestingly, a lot of the first wave of, of development over there was the um, student residential. And then that added energy and excitement and, you know, the, um, and it went on from there. 
Let's continue with, we've got the development going on on the, the old Ginyard Bricksworks side of the, the river for KC West Columbia. What's happening on the Columbia side? Well, the first piece of property we found was down in the Granby Mill Village, a little half a mile. We went talk to the property owner and said, hey, look, you know, I understand you're a real estate developer and you, know, you want to try to put some apartments in there. How about if you, know, you give us this useless federal flowway? You know? And he said, okay, I'll, uh, you, know, you guys seem to know what you're doing. Well, you know, I'll go that road. If you can find the funding, then we'll you know, give you the property. So that we found about a half a million dollars in the, in the city of Columbia's coffers that they had had uh, identified for a park and so we went to council and said, hey, how about if this be our test bed? We'll do, you know, we'll do everything we were going to do. We're going to be sensitive to the old uh, historic canal down there. We're going to we're going to be we're going to work around the remnants of the South Carolina's entry into making whiskey and whatever else we found. And we're going to do archaeology as a first bet. And we'll craft this this uh, trail around trees so that we won't take anything out um, that we don't have to. And. We typically not take anything out of about four inches. <laughs> and so we started a, we started that project and uh, put a team together and we said, well, you know, let's make the um, let's make the architecture reminiscent of, you know, something old looking. And uh, John Watkins, who was our architect at the time, you know, crafted that bathroom, put the parking lot in and we did the first half mile with overlooks and and uh, and then opened it up to great fanfare. And um, but do, in doing that. We um, worked with the traditional mill village folk, the Granby, Whaley, and Olympia Mill Village, who, which was, was there, and um, had a great relationship. We had them help lay out the trail. They knew the terrain. Uh, you know, they knew every tree down there, and it was, it was a lot of fun to put the thing together. You know, we did, you know, cleanups of the old canal. And that, that was a working relationship that I'll come back to later. But, it, you know, the, the mills at that point in time were still cranking out fabric, mm-hmm. and— um, and, and then later they you know they they ended up you know, pulling the plug on the mills themselves and and that that uh, redevelopment possibility was one that was you know sort of sitting there you know waiting for action but the first the first piece was uh, Granby and then we would bring uh, Casey and West Columbia folks over to see the you know the created product and say this is what we're doing I mean is everybody happy with that. And uh, and then we I think the uh, that was ninety eight uh, and then we did the, um, the first sections of Casey in West Columbia in two thousand two. Okay, and for folks who live in, in Greenville and Charleston, trying to locate it when you come through Columbia, when you drive across the three bridges across the river, the Hampton Street, Twelfth Street, Blossom, and Gervais Street bridges, you can see what's been going on. You can't miss it. Yeah, <laughs> there, are pe- there are people everywhere now, and you know, at night it's you can see from the air. So if you're flying into into Columbia, you'll see a bunch of lights down on the river that uh, that indicates where the greenway is going. They're open twenty four seven, correct? The path. Yeah, I think they're. You know, each government has has put some restriction on the parking lots, but I think they close parking at at uh, you know at eight or nine o'clock at night. The um, the the mechanism we used to fund the original Casey West Columbia uh, Greenways was in fact federal transportation authorization. So it's a it is a federally funded uh, transportation asset. So you really can't close it down. So people are out there running at all hours of night. If I wanted to get to it, and I live in West Columbia, the best way for me to get on the Greenway would be where. We've got on our website, you know, how to find parking for the for the Greenway. So that's probably the easiest thing, and then put it in your GPS and go. So, well, and of course, West Columbia has a a, a parking garage at uh, yeah, they have their, their new parking garage at, and, at and, Gervais uh, Street yeah. Bridge. So that's that's the best way to place to get on the Greenway on the West for, Col- for that side. Or if you want to go down to Casey, you can go down. Um, you know, you can you can find their little hidey hole uh, parking lot, which is down below. Uh, it's it's marked you know Greenway this way off um, off uh, Knox Avenue. All right. What about on the Columbia side? On the Columbia side, you can go to Columbia Canal, which is you know still has its damage from the um, 15 flood. That's three miles, so you can you can go up to the end of the of the canal for the for the head gates. Okay, but physically, give me the street that I'm going to drive down to. Oh, that's a good question. I don't even remember what the street is. <laughs> Okay, but it's marked. It's marked, yeah. It's 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 bo- right off UG Street. Yeah, yes, yes, below UG. Yeah, and it says Greenway this way. I think so. Okay, uh, all right. Now we're talking mid nineties. 
we're a generation later. We're in 2021. What's been, what's been happening over that last 20 years? Well, we've been cranking out pieces. So we extended the uh, West Columbia um, Greenway from Gervasery Bridge up above to to you know up above the Hampton uh, Taylor Bridge, and we added a little picnic area up there. So that was about a half mile, and then we extended the uh, Casey uh, River Walk. Um, below and it goes all the way down to um, what's called Kelly Jones Park, um, you know, below the the old uh, 1905 locks mm-hmm. um, parallel and you know the Congaree. So the prison the prison came down, which you know made it a, a lot more visually attractive for folks to go down the river. Um, they used to have to go by the prison exercise yard, so if they they could get there, but it you know it was sort of a gravel path and you know it wasn't particularly what I'd call visitor friendly. So we um, Ended up uh, making that surface ADA, and we lighted it, and we put a um, bathroom at the north end and another mile of trail down on, on the Broad River, and then we connected that to the Broad River Bridge that, you know, that crosses um, halfway, up the, um, halfway up the canal. All right. Is that the bridge that goes to Boyd Island? No, that that's we hadn't gotten that one yet. So. Okay, okay, all right. So that that was a DOT bridge that you know that's on the on the North Columbia side. Okay, For, you know, so the um, the interesting part is we had this big discussion about oh should we pave it and you know I'm a runner and I've been running most of my life. I usually try to stay off hard pavement, but I don't mind it. And um, the day we were down on the Columbia Canal with a paving machine, you know, I saw a motorized wheelchair go by. And I know he couldn't get that far, um, so he turned around and came back. And on the back of that uh, back of that wheelchair was a Department of the Army sticker, you know, about an eight inch Department of the Army sticker. So he comes back, and I said, "Hey, how, you know, what are you what are you up to?" And he said, "Well, I've been wanting to get down here in my wheelchair for years and years, and now I can." And it turned out we were in the same battalion in Vietnam. He'd lost both legs, mm-hmm. and you know, he was there about three years before I was. But I said, "You know, if we did it for that one." veteran who lost the legs for the um, for the country and you know this that's the right thing to do so all of our stuff has been ada capable to the to so the, that means paved surface paved service yeah the the canal section turned out to be a great place for everybody to go ride their bike because it's you know almost almost level you know it's got a it's got a down slope on it but it's safe for kids. They don't have any traffic. They can run up and down, and you know, the the uh, all of the all the greenway is safe. But that's a real easy bike learning <laughs> lo- location. Well, hasn't this, hasn't this greenway hooked in with the hiking trails from the mountains to the sea? No, there's a plan to do that, and uh, you know, I think the concept was to hit the uh, Columbia Canal, or they could hit Granby Park um, ultimately, and then go up the east side of the Broad River. So uh, Palmetto Trail, I think, all the time was, you know, they're, they're not doing, they're not making theirs ADA, but they wanted to do the connection all the way up to peak. Okay. And that one's to be, to be determined how, how fast that works. Right now, there's a hole in a canal, so it's a problem. Yeah, it's still there from the 2015. Yeah, from the 2015 The thousand-year flood. The thousand-year flood. <laughs> the thousand year flood. <laughs> um, since I am a historian, and I do know a good part of, uh, about the area, I was fascinated when I, I see you list your projects. And again, I salute your website. It's user-friendly. It's easy to find things. The 12-year, tell us about the 12,000-year project. Well, it's pretty interesting. It, it, um, one of our initial contacts was, uh, you know, with Dr. Fred Carter, who was then the executive director of the Budget Control Board and now the president of Francis Marion. And we said, who do we go to in the... Um, who do we go to in archives and history and the Institute of Archaeology to start looking at what's known, what's known out there? And because we want to protect the um, cultural legacy, but we got to know what it is. It's fairly, fairly, t- you know, for an Army guy, I mean, classification is, you know, something I always live with. So it's, it's fairly, it's fairly, they're fairly careful about who they give the actual grid coordinates to of, <laughs> of where, where some of these things are. So we said, okay, let's look through the file cabinets. And um, wow, there seems to be a lot of them that, down there in Casey, and then I I met the, the former mayor of Casey, Archie Moore, and he said, you know, Mike, there you know there are Confederate earthworks down there too that you need to take a look at. And we go down there, and lo and behold, here's the intact earthworks from Civil War, and then there was the um, you know files and files and files of Native American history, and then the the uh, first British garrison in the Midlands, which was a trading garrison back in the early 1700s, was out there, and so we you know we knew all those locations. 
But the concept was then, you know, how do we take property which is in the, you know, federal floodway, you know, it's inaccessible, that has layers and layers of history with layers and layers of stories to tell and make that into something that we could then connect to this transportation system. And that became the concept for the for the history park. The 12,000-year history means that there has been human habitation on the river in this area. People don't realize how far back it, it goes. Exactly. And they, you know, they located because it, you know, it was, it was a fertile area. They had plenty of, you know, they had water, had transportation. The old, um, you know, the old, uh, what they call the Cherokee Trail, which is probably predates Cherokees, went on that side of the river because there are fewer river crossings getting down to Charleston. So as we got into that thing, we, we started talking to the Park Service and um, not to cast aspersions on any of my archaeology friends, but all these files are in archaeology speak. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, geez, we got to have somebody that can actually translate this into, you know, a compelling narrative, you know. So went to the National Park Service and uh, they gave us a writing team of, of Kane and Keaton and they did a cultural resource study. And they had budgeted amount, as writers do, they budgeted in a certain amount of time to come up and they prowled around through archives and, and they started getting fascinated by you know, colonial journals and all of the all of the, the written uh, texts that we were digging out, and uh, so we've got a you know a well written 150 page about coastal study, which you know we passed out leaflet dropped, and so this is the story from the you know from the beginning to the you know to 1865ish where we sort of cut it off, and that that allowed, and we also got four original paintings by a, a guy named Martin Pate. Uh, Pate Art is his you know is his um, business. And he worked for the Park Service, and in, he did interpretations of, you know, the early colonial garrison and the Revolutionary War stuff and then the Civil War stuff that, you know, that we're going to get to a museum one of these days. But when you, when you have text, compelling text and images, you can then begin to tell that story, and that story then allows you to get political support, momentum to say, hey, let's, let's do something and see what we can do with it. You've taken the material that you talked about, the historical and the natural resources, and I guess using the Park Service, created markers along the trail so that visitors can stop and say, oh, this was the site of Port Granby, or this was the site of uh, early Native Americans, or you are walking through a Tupelo swamp or whatever. You've got these beautifully designed, uh, and I, I keep calling them markers, but I know there's some, you've got some kind of technical term you probably use. Well, I'm not sure it's really technical, but uh, we call them wayside exhibits. But the, okay. the funny part is, like everything else in Cyclone, you have more stories than you can afford to tell. And so when we when we began to dig out the archaeology, and we 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 sort of have layers of archaeology. So we'll we will for each project we will hire a team and we will do a review of what we can find, of, you know, the cultural history, and then we will do an environmental side, and then we will do physical archaeology to say, hey, you know, we're going to lay we're going to pour a footing over here, we're going to lay a trail, and we want to make sure we don't cover anything up. So early on. Um, the National Park Service had set the model for the waysides. They're done up in Harpers Ferry. They're, you know, wonderful National Park Service lab for, you know, around $10,000 a pop or something. And I said, you know, the South Carolina State Museum has got curators who, who are in all of these areas. Why don't we make a deal with the museum and have them produce um, the waysides for us? And, you know, and do them for, you know, whatever the South Carolina price will bear. Uh, which would mean we can do them cheaper and we can do them local and we can do more of them. And that's that partnership has been going for, you know, low since our first our first piece. And then we did a we've just done uh, 20 more um, on Congaree Creek, the history park area uh, with the Central Carolina Community Foundation funded those. And it always amazes me to see people just stop, you know, because we've been over every word of every panel and every image of those things. <laughs> but people sit there and look at those things and just really are, are fascinated by that, you know, that that glimpse of what is in the environmental sense or what was in the, in the historical sense. And it's just a lot of fun. All right. Mike, we need to pause and let our listeners know that this is Walter Edgar's Journal, and I'm talking with Mike Dawson, who is the CEO of the River Alliance here in the Midlands of South Carolina. Well, we were talking about the 12,000-year history project, but you've got other projects that you've done, and the one that fascinated me was the Broad River Blueway project that you did. 
Yeah, it was it was interesting because the Congaree, if you launched off on the Congaree, and you know you could come out, you know, down at the boat landings, but it's a pretty short trip. If you kept going, uh, you could go below Congaree National Park, but that's you know that's a fifty miler pretty much, and that's a pretty extensive stuff. The Saluda has got some serious rapids in it. So, you know, taking 11-year-olds in canoes through the, in the Mill Race Rapids is, you know, is, is not a good thing. So we started looking at the Broad River as just a recreational paddle uh, resource. And so we said, okay, we need a place to put in, we need a place to take out. And it turned out that right below Interstate 20 above the, uh, the dam over the, um, over the, for the Columbia Canal, we found some Richland County property and we... Found some public land up at Peak, so you could put in at the Highway 213 bridge and put your canoes in and float. We also worked with Harvest and State Forest and the Forestry Commission to put a little, you know, wayside camping area that you could haul your boat up a bank. And we had an area that you could take group camping in. And we put up, I guess we put about a mile of road in working with the forestry guys to, so you could drive support vehicles in there and you could get a permit and whatnot. And that, that's turned out to be pretty good. It's not to get the usage we'd like to, but it's, it, it's, it's an asset. And in that stretch of river uh, north from the, the right below I-20 up to the first island is a great location for the sport of rowing. And the, um, it's, I think it's called Experience Columbia SC Sports now, has pushed that for a long time to get folks in here to train and compete uh, on that stretch of the river because it's deep enough behind that dam not to have you drag an oar, which is a bad thing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't row, so. <laughs> and you, you mentioned the Congaree National Park, and that has been included in some of your project efforts as well. Well, it's kind of interesting. When we first started, we thought, well, you know, what projects are ongoing that either we're moving anywhere or we need to know about or whatnot? And so the, the then superintendent of the, of the park came and said, well, you know, there's talk of a park closure commission. And uh, I said, well, let's, you know, let's take a look at it. And so um, part of the problem is they didn't even have a sign that marked the road to, um, you know, to Congaree National Park. Or it was then it was called Congaree Monument, and you know there was a perception that you were driving down into Richland County somewhere, and there was this obelisk out there in the field <laughs> that you could check out. So, so we looked at it, and uh, you know from a perspective of the visitor, you drove along a a, uh, a dirt road, and you know through next to houses, and you turned right, and you sort of bounced along, and you got out, and you know there was a little bathroom there, and there was a shack. Yeah, and I've been there. <laughs> yeah, and, and and so we said, well, how many school groups are you guys getting? They said, well, not not really many at all. We have to turn them down because you know they just can't get here. And you know, then when they get here, everybody gets off the bus to, to go to the bathroom, and then they got to get back on because they ran out of time. And so we said, well, look, um, part of the solution is you need your own road. So we approached the uh, Sacramento National Guard, and uh, we said, "Hey, how about you know how about a training exercise? You've got an engineer battalion. Why don't we build a road in there, and uh, we'll get the Park Service permission to allow us to do that, and then we'll work it with Richland County. And you know, sure, the 122nd Engineer Battalion, we built this road. We had such a great partnership with the guard that one of their Air Guard guys said, uh, you know, we we do vertical construction. I said, you mean you build buildings? And he said, "Yeah, we've got we've got these, these squadrons all over America that you know can can build buildings. This is all you know pre 9/11, so it was perfect timing. And um, it turned out John Watkins, our architect, was an ex Navy CB. So we said, "Hey, why don't you meet with these guys and let's let's take a look at a design that meets the National Park Service, Congaree National Parks needs." You know, can can be built uh, with a reasonable price and and can be um, built by these air guys. So John did, and so um, we thought, you know, we're gonna if we can get a commitment from the National Guard Bureau to build this building, uh, now we're looking for money. <laughs> <laughs> so Senator Fred Sollings, you know, liked the idea. He thought, you know, it's hey, you know, you you got free labor essentially. Uh, it's talented labor, and let's put an appropriation in the, you know, in the in the National Park Service budget, and give you. I, what we re what we said was, let's all we want is, we want the building supplies, and so we costed that out, and lo and behold, that showed up in the NPS budget, and to great shock to some degree to the NPS guy, <laughs> and and the uh, the local superintendent was great, so we started building this thing with air guard units from you know. Put in by the National Guard Bureau from around the country, 
so we were having them build the buildings, you know, and, and we had we had continuity NCOs and our architect, you know, sort of transitioned each team. So you got two weeks and you, you know, it, it, I think it took six weeks to build, uh, 16, 16 weeks. So we're building this building and they're having fun. And uh, after we got it rolling, after all the politics was going, the Riverlands role was to fund a pig which was cooked up, you know, by local air guard guys. And, you know, this, so everybody had a, a pig celebration out there at the end of their, their two-week cycle. And they thought South Carolina was the greatest state in the nation and it really enjoyed it. And when we opened it, we had a lot of them come back individually on their own expense to see that building go. And, and I think that uh, it, was, it was a super, you know, citizen-soldier type operation. But, you know, they're building something of permanence for the nation – they're enjoying their work, and um, they were all having a good time. And I'm not sure that anybody ever replicate that, but it was <laughs> it was a lot of fun for us too. We mentioned Boyd Island earlier, and that's your latest project. And we haven't quite finished yet, but we're getting there. So the the um, the Saluda Riverwalk goes from along the Saluda uh, from Interstate 26 on the Richmond County side around the zoo. And then it stops at the railroad bridge at the Broad River. And the city of Columbia acquired uh, most of the islands in the confluence of the Broad Salute and Congaree. And one of the biggest ones was sort of sitting there. And um, I had a, um, a query from the Boyd Foundation, from Donnie and Susan Boyd, who, who um, had put the money from their, their commercial enterprise and residential to, into the foundation. And uh, they said, look, you know, we'd like to do a, we'd like to do some significant project. And I said, well, you know, what we do is, you know, public access to great looking places. So if you will trust me and you want to go out to that island out there, we'll I'll put the canoes in there and we'll paddle over. <laughs> and it's not very far, but, it, you know, it's it's a little it's a little muddy on occasion. So we did, and Donnie and Susan uh, walked around the island, and I said, you know, we could build a bridge, uh, you know, from the new Saluda Riverwalk, which we're proposing, uh, to the island, and then we can do a loop around the island, and and when you, you know, at the end of the island, you can then look downriver, and you know, you don't believe, you don't even know you're in the middle of a metropolitan area. So they liked that idea, and they they funded the design, energy permitting, and construction of of the bridge, and then the add-ons to Boyd Island. And they also funded places where people can stop and sit or picnic, and they're basically works of art. They are works of art, and the fun part is the Boyd Foundation has done a lot of great projects, you know, in and around Clinton. Boyd lies at the at the um, at the art museum, and this was a little bit of a departure because we're talking very natural, and you know, we went through a series of um, of options on park furniture and. Um, uh, Charles Howell of Land Plan, who's our landscape architect, and, and we got together with Chris Tyke, who's really down the road from you, and, and he fabricates metal. <laughs> so we said, all right, let's see if we can come up with something that you know is going to be beautiful, functional, and and that the, that the boards really like. And that was that granite and steel combination that I, I truly think is just gorgeous. You know, we should do a show from <laughs> from out there on the island. And so we got that cooking, and then um, we have to finish off. We're going to have some rails at the at the at the entry point on the island that look like Rocky Shoals paddle. He's cut out of steel, <laughs> and then we are fabricating. We're going to locate the final uh, uh, spot, but we're going to put a, a pavilion that is also fabricated from steel. That the canopy of the pavilion will look like a, a Rocky Shoals paddle blossom, oh, wow. okay. and that's that's cooking. So we'll finish that up. All right, now. Will there be another bridge from Boyd Island to the other to the West Columbia side of the river? Well, we've got to get to Columbia side first. But so if you're standing on the Boyd Island Bridge and if you're looking towards Columbia, you can see people walking on the Columbia Canal. Okay. So the the connection from that point to the Columbia Canal was originally part of the Richland County funded um, penny uh, penny project called Saluda Riverwalk. Where we are today is that the the first phase of the Saluda River Walk, which is I twenty six to Boyd Island, was was funded. Uh, the second phase is still a penny project, but is not funded. So, discussing with the Boyds, uh, they have had us looking at how to go from Boyd Island to the Columbia Canal. 
The way we can do that is to go under the railroad, under the interstate, in the water. So we're, you know, we've got high boardwalks out there. And then as you're coming away from Columbia towards the zoo, and if you look to the right, you'll see the Broad River. And at the shortest distance, bank to bank, we won't build a bridge. And so that's about a 450-foot bridge from the zoo side to the uh, canal side. And once you get on that bridge, you can take a right and head downtown. Or if you're on the canal and take a left, you can head over towards the zoo. All right, that's still in the planning stage. That's in the planning stage, but we're I mean, we're seriously planning. I mean, so we've started delineating wetlands. We started looking at the hydrology. We started looking at bridge options. We're starting to look at how much does all that stuff cost, and then we start looking at you know where we're going to get that money. So, all right, we, we've mentioned the 2015 flood, and you were on board then. How did the flood affect what y'all were trying to do? Yeah, so uh, it was interesting on the Saluda. We had some of this construction in. Good news is it's all there when the, when the water went down. It was, as you went back in after the flood, the velocity of the flood water had carried relatively heavy-duty sand particles. So the whole place was covered, you know, with sand. Uh, so we got flooded, but it all survived. Everything we build is built to flood. So okay. it, it has been interesting at, at the... Um, Standing on the Gervais Street Bridge on the West Columbia side, looking up, we have an arbor out there, which I thought, that sucker's got to be gone. When the water went down, it was fine. We had some damage to, uh, from log damage to some of the structures uh, in West Columbia. Uh, there was the, the, uh, the saturation of the rain around the quarry caused a, a flow down the hill, which, you know, which, which took out some of those boardwalks down there and had to be repaired. So Casey and West Columbia had damage to the Greenway, uh, but it was essentially from you know external you know external hits. Some folks might not rem- remember, but you had water up to the to the level of the bridges. Correct. The, the The worst damage, of course, was when they when the Columbia Canal blew out. What we're we're headed with that is that we would like to have the bridge from the zoo to the canal from Boyd Island to the canal done. And then we want to be able to get from that point to the state, the museum complexes. So the children's museum, the relic room and the state museum. And so we're in discussion now with the city staff as to, you know, how do you go from one side of that canal to the other side of the canal near the museum itself? And uh, working with the museum, state museum foundation, you know, we're thinking that if we can, if we can hop over that canal, you know, then we can connect those two um, destination populations. Those folks who go to the canal, and those folks who go to the or, or go to the museums, and those folks who go to the zoo, and they can move around in that system that we've we've created on the canal and on the river. And that would be a pretty dynamic, not only for the community but also for tourism development and, and, and expansion. Anything else you got planned in the future? Well, we, you know, we got to do the uh, we got to do the twelve thousand area history park visitor center. So, uh, what we found was uh, we we had the trails in, we had the wayside exhibits in, but we were poaching on the, uh, the little tennis center complex down there for for group <laughs> bathrooms <laughs> and parking. So we said, well, we need parking, we need a visitor center, and so we have got a a design development proposal to to do a a visitor center which would allow us to handle groups. Uh, it wouldn't be necessarily a museum, but we would definitely have, um, you know, cultural and, and environmental resource um, and, and, and displays down there. But it led us to handle school groups and, and, and the like. So we've got a little bit of a state appropriation for that, thanks to uh, Senator Sessler. And uh, it's a million dollars. I don't think it's a little. And then we're going to see what we can develop to do that. It, we need more than that to finish the project, but it certainly gets us going in a big way. All right. Do you have rangers who can give take people on hikes or guided tours, that kind of thing? Now, we don't, what we try to do, we have, we have failed in this on occasion, but what we try to do is build it and give it to a government to operate. Uh, you know, we have done some special events, um, you know, the Rhythm on the River series, it's picking back up. We originally helped get that thing started. So you have music on the amphitheater. Um, you know, we've helped plays, we've helped all sorts of, you know, interesting little tidbits on the river get going. We ended up going to the, courtesy of the Experience Columbia, going to the Czech Republic to pitch a international uh, paddling race. And so for special events and whatnot, we'll try to help you know, articulate how you can use the space for whatever idea somebody's got. But we, you know, we don't do the visitor All context. Right. On the Columbia side, 
the Columbia Park system, isn't it under their care? Correct. On the if it is owned by the city of Columbia, and it's Greenway. Then it's you know it's under the aegis of the city of Columbia Parks Department. And what they've done is they have a Ranger Corps, their khaki uniforms, and and they just um, you know officially moved into their little uh, Ranger building over on the on Candy Lane, where the parking lots are. And so they have been maintaining that uh, actually before they moved in um, officially, but. So the, everything that we turn over to the, to one of the one of the cities is then operated by their their parks department or equivalent. So, all right. Well, Mike Alfred's giving me the wind up sign. So, <laughs> any any last words for our listeners before we sign off? Well, don't believe a word I said. And so, what what you need to do is challenge that assertion that it's a great place to go, and just go out there and see it. And if you have something you want to you know comment on, give it to us because we're you know we believe that it is a asset for all. And go out and check it out and see what you think and then get back to us. All right. Well, Mike Dawson, the CEO of River Alliance, thanks so much for being with us today on The Journal. My pleasure. This is Walter Edgar, and I hope you enjoyed today's journal. An interesting story, first of all, about Mike Dawson, the CEO, and how he went from the Army to head this multi-government partnership in the Midlands of South Carolina. It's something that, quite frankly, knowing South Carolina history, doesn't happen all that often. But for the last quarter of a century, it has produced a wonderful recreational resource in the Midlands of South Carolina. The River Alliance is a remarkable story in South Carolina history. This is Walter Edgar. Join me next week for more of The Journal. Walter Edgar's Journal is a production of South Carolina Public Radio. The producer and engineer is Alfred Turner. Production of this program is made possible in part by listener contributions to the ETB Endowment of South Carolina. The views and opinions expressed on Walter Edgar's Journal are not necessarily those of South Carolina Public Radio.